you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from the ChrisVossShow.com. Hey, come here with another podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to go to YouTube.com forward slash Chris Voss to see the video version of this. And also refer the show to your friends, neighbors, and relatives. You can find me on LinkedIn under Chris Voss, Facebook under Chris Voss. Uh, you can find me everywhere. And if you get a chance, go to iTunes under the recommend section of the Chris Voss Show and uh, give us five stars and give us a recommend, if you will. Tell us why you like the show. Hey, Chris Voss makes me laugh, et cetera, et cetera. That helps us uh, get more people used on the show and keeps the show rolling right along. Today we're going to have a very super topical discussion with a brilliant philosopher and eternal light bulbs for me. We had a lot of aha moments and I think you'll enjoy it too. Stick with it. It's very cerebral, but uh, I think it's uh, something you'll see why our world is having the challenge it is and maybe how we can repair it. Uh, he will be Justin E.H. Smith. He's a professor of history and philosophy of science at the University of Paris. He is the author of Divine Machines uh, and another book, Nature, Human Nature and Human Difference. Another book, The Philosopher, A History in Six Types. And, of course, uh, his latest book, uh, Irrationality, uh, from Princeton University Press. He's also the editor-at-large of Cabinet Magazine and the main asteroid belt, uh, 135 a5, Justin Smith was named after him in 2015. He has his own asteroid uh, belt. So there you go. That's that for cool. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's bring him in the show and get it on. Hey, okay. Justin, welcome to the show. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Doing, about, awesome doing very sauce. well. Awesome sauce. You know, I, I had seen your book. Uh, with the Princeton University Press, they had sent me a catalog of stuff. And I was like, a history of the dark side of reason, irrationality. And they started reading some of the details on it. I'm like, holy God, this is the topic for the ages that we're in right now. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah very timely. Very timely indeed. So uh, give us an overview about what your book is about in the context of it. Well, it's a strange balance because by uh, kind of training and my background, I'm a historian of philosophy, right? And uh, my specialty is in the 17th century in rationalist metaphysics, people like Descartes and Spinoza and Leibniz. Uh, but uh, I also write and think about uh, the contemporary world and social media and uh, uh, recent recent uh, developments in electoral politics, and so on and so on. So the book is a strange hybrid uh, between uh, this uh, scholarly, dusty, antiquarian uh, uh, world that I inhabited for uh, many years and uh, the contemporary world that we encounter on Twitter every single day. Uh, and if essentially I wanted to bring some insights from the long history of philosophy to bear on uh, uh, our 
effort to understand uh, how it is uh, that uh, arguments that unfold in social media, for example, seem so hopelessly uh, doomed from the outset. And uh, to take another example, I wanted to bring the history of philosophy to bear on our effort to understand the recent rise of politics, uh, excuse me, of populism in politics, and what I take to be the serious crisis of uh, liberal democracy throughout the world. So that's, that's, in a nutshell, what the book is about. And you bring a lot of that back from the 5th century B.C. murder of Hippasus? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. I say Hippasus, but... Hippasus, okay. uh, I'm not learning. I went to public school. Tomato, tomato thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a wonderful uh, uh, parable to begin with because, uh, well, first of all, it probably never happened. Uh, It's probably something that was kind of... uh, uh, added as an ornament in late antique doxography about the Pythagorean cult, but uh, the Pythagoreans are wonderful because, in some sense, they're uh, they're the kind of uh, founders of uh, what would come to be uh, the ideal of reason in the Western world. Uh, it's thanks to the Pythagorean tradition that we have certain of the cornerstones of what we understand to be rationality. But at the same time, the Pythagoreans were a bunch of wacko cultists um, who uh, <laughs> all had to, you know, uh, abandon their families, wear the same uniform, live together in dorms, um, eat the same food, and uh, uh, respect all sorts of bizarre rules that their dear leader insisted on, like not eating beans and, um, you know, all sorts of um, curious things. Did they have to wear red hats? (laughs) They didn't wear red hats. (laughs) Um, I mean, over time, like in later Pythagoreanism, I think it was a purple and gold robe but so it's it's an interesting already right mm-hmm. there we have the paradox right uh where wherever you have people insisting on the primacy of reason if you start to probe into it uh uh even uh for a moment you start to discover that there's also what you know in the title of the book i call it the dark side right um uh wherever you have people insisting on the primacy of reason and especially when they're insisting on how rational they themselves are, um, you find, um, you find uh, uh, some pretty irrational behavior. So what happens to Hippasus of Metapontum? Well, uh, he's a member of the cult of Pythagoras, um, and he is one of the few who's privy to this new remarkable discovery of irrational numbers, of the square root of two or the diagonal, uh, Mm. that uh, is a non-terminating decimal series, right? Which freaked them out. Right. Why did it freak them out? Well, because it meant that, you know, if the natural world is built on mathematical principles and um, one of the principles is something that can't possibly be uh, uh, 
cognized, right, because it's a non-terminating non decimal series, then this effectively shows that the world itself is irrational, right? So Hippasus makes the mistake of divulging this dirty secret to a non-cult member. So the fellow, his fellow Pythagoreans take him out in a boat, tell him they're going fishing, um, and when they're out there, they drown him, right? So there's this uh, explosion of bloody violence um, that is the result of this movement's interest in uh, kind of uh, transforming rationality into dogma. And the argument of the book is that this keeps happening over and over and over again throughout history. And you can see the reign of terror after the French Revolution, for example. At the same moment, the revolutionaries are establishing or are transforming Catholic churches into what they literally called temples of reason. They are also... Um, chopping off people's heads in an insane kind of frenzy that nobody can control, right? So mm -hmm. Hippasus of Metapontum is just kind of the, the founding parable of this thing we see over and over again in the history of uh, rationality. That, that, that scene of taking him out of the boat, Mario Puzo must have copied that in Godfather 2 when Fredo goes out. Oh, yeah. You know, it's interesting to me uh, what you're talking about because I've always I, – I actually grew up in a cult, and uh, and I've always – what changed me in coming out of it, and I always knew it was BS, but, you know, you had to exercise yourself from it, was all, all my life, whether it's been religion or anything else, is what, main, what makes people believe things and start to believe them, things mm. that sometimes are either, like you say, in your book, uh, completely irrational or semi-irrational, whether it's cognitive bias, et cetera, et cetera. But then it becomes such a complex belief system that supports that one yeah. crazy idea. And, and you know, sometimes it gets out of hand. Sometimes it gets people killed. Sometimes it kills other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we may be seeing, you know, some different things of that. But it's interesting to me. Was, now, was this, this cult that you're talking about, was there a guy that was the head of this? Or was there, were they all just praying to a god? Was it like a Jonestown sort of uh, guy? <laughs> well, it's Pythagoras was their, okay. um, was their head. And, I mean, I don't want to exaggerate this. I don't want to say he was as bad as Jim Jones. <laughs> um, but uh, what I do want to say is that it's uh, telling uh, 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 irony that the very earliest beginnings of the history of the we of Western philosophy are mired <laughs> already in cult-like behavior, right? Um, in what we think of as uh, as irrationality, right? Was, was part of their challenge and our challenge and their and their and their issue with uh, Hippasus uh, for. Be because everyone is trying to cling to the fact that maybe life isn't as horrible or is is untamed or un that, that it is random, mm. you know, that we're all sure, just yeah. we're tr we're always trying to do these forms and functions. In fact, people get up the same time every day and you know go to bed yeah. the same time every day because yeah. they're trying to reason this crazy life that many times doesn't have that. Sure, sure, sure. And you can see that. You can see religious ritual, in, mm -hmm. for example, ritual. as, a, as a, a, an attempt to impose order 
on an inherently disorderly world. Um, and uh, inevitably, the disorder starts to creep in no matter how much you perfect your rituals, indeed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose, uh, in a sense, you can see the history of Western philosophy as attempting to replace ritual with um, argument uh, and proof, right? Uh, uh, We try to uh, come up with proofs um, that satisfy us in the view that the world is inherently rationally ordered rather than imposing the rational order ourselves um, through uh, through uh, through ritual, right, and that's a that's a huge transformation, um, and it might, in the long run, turn out to be less successful than living life through ritual, right? But what I mean is, like, you know, what uh, uh, what were the ritual practices associated with, say, uh, Cartesian epistemology or something like that? There weren't any, right? Uh, mm. Descartes just sits there and write writes books, right, uh, or uh, sits there and thinks. Um, um, and the loss of that ritual dimension of life, the belief that somehow, uh, you know, doing the sign of the cross or lighting candles or, uh, or doing yoga or whatever, that all of those things are somehow less rational than, um, than the kind of uh, pure use of the faculty of reason um, is perhaps, uh, perhaps a mistake. But I might be getting off on a tangent here. Well, I think we've seen a lot of different examples of this over time. Like, you know, the mm. earth is flat. Remember there are people, mm. were there people killed sure. over that? People like, and then sure. there was Socrates who, uh, who uh, had to drink his, to his own death because he wouldn't subscribe <laughs> to a certain thing. Um, sure, sure. It's, it's kind of interesting. You know, you made me realize something that just occurred to me. I, I, I'm an atheist and I'm very uh. comfortable with the fact that I don't know what goes on outside this life and I'm not going to spend a lot of time fretting over it, worrying about it, wasting whatever precious time I have, but I do have That's a ritual, but I do have mm-hmm. a ritual of, of, you know, like more of morals of some type where I have mm-hmm. do good unto others. You know, I have a mm-hmm. basis mm-hmm. of being a good human being. You know, there's a lot of people that say, well, if you don't have religion, then you're just, yeah. just go kill people and you're a rampant criminal yeah. because you have no morals. When in yeah. fact, you know, we actually do. I mean, it's just the basic things that make sense, like do good unto others so they don't go to you. I don't go sure. pillaging, raping, and killing and murdering. I mean, maybe on Wednesdays, but um, <laughs> you know. Wait, so do you think that? But is, is this? To, but still, that's a ritual, just, right? That's a well, ritual. of sorts, yeah. But is this just strategic on your part? I mean, I mean, you just, um, yeah, you, well, I, I'm good to other people because I want them to be good to me, and I realize that if we all just you know, we all just go full chaos and apocalyptic stuff. And <laughs> we all start living the purge that it might not work out good for me. Cause I'm probably, you know, the first you're one. They're gonna, yeah. I'm the, the, I'm the first one they're going to cannibalize, you're, you're, you know, you're, big you're fat follow, guy. Hello, Thomas Hobbes on this. Yeah. Point. If I'm on the, if I'm on the Donner pass thing, man, I'm the first one that gets eaten. You know, I'm not really that good with guns and I'm kind of slow <laughs> being old. So, you know, I'm the first one who doesn't make it in the purge and I'm an asshole. So everyone's going to try and kill me. Uh, you know, so I, I kind of follow the golden rule. I just, you know, I just do it cause it's right. And I try and be good, but I just realized that that is in a ritual in and of itself in form. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if I'm making yeah, yeah, fun yeah. of religious people for their little 
rituals of the cross or Hail Mary full of grace or, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but, but there is, there is a programming to it. That's the one thing I disagree with is the programming, you know, like you say, with the cult that, that he was in, yeah, all that stuff is a programming. It's ritualistic, but it's also a programming from the people running the show. So you came up with your rituals on your own. I think so. I'm, I'm, not, yeah. you know, I'm, yeah. I'm just getting that from you. Cause I'm like, I'm like, Hmm, I actually do have, <laughs> I do have some cultist sort of ritual to my atheism of yeah. whatever, but I don't know if there's, I don't think there's any way around it, but no, but, no, no, there's no way around it. But I mean, there's all sorts <laughs> of arbitrary rules that like, you know, you, uh, if you're like most people, you probably, um, you probably eat cows, but not chimpanzees. You probably, yeah. um, uh, you know, do all sorts of things. We stay away from that, the cute animals, but we'll eat everything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Things that uh, <laughs> have absolutely no grounding in rational arguments, even though philosophers try to come up with rational arguments for them in a kind of ad hoc way, mm-hmm. right? Like one of my favorite things one of my favorite things to say is the one thing man can learn from his history is that man never learns from his history uh i think that's a hmm. <laughs> that's in that's just hmm. one of mine which is a which is a uh kind of an update of you know those who don't learn from their history are doomed to repeat it the problem is man never learns from his yeah. history which is why you're taking this this greek story well, and you're finding it well, on twitter today i guess yeah, you know, I, th- I I forget where I saw this, but, you know, um, those who don't learn history are condemned to repeat it, but those who do learn history are condemned to sit sit back and watch others who haven't learned history repeat history, right? There so you, you, can't, you can't win. Like, I tried to write a book that, uh, that uh, brought... Uh, that brought the full force of historic historical knowledge to bear on contemporary problems in the hope that it would help to resolve them. Has this book made a tiny, tiny drop of difference in the world? I think that would be, that would be uh, self-deception on my part if I said it has. <laughs> well, probably, I don't know, man. It's such a weird thing how we always repeat history. You know, yeah. I just had Jill Winebanks uh, with her Watergate mm. story. Uh, oh, yeah. And she was she was on the original uh, prosecutor saying one of the things we talked about is I'm like, was it so weird that like 40, 30, 40 years later, you, you know, she was actually a commenter for MSNBC. She's like a lance for them. And yeah. you're you're reliving this whole history yeah. 40 years ago under the same sort of principles the same sort of everything that she laid, she actually with her team laid a foundation yeah. for. And yeah. And I'm like, do you pinch yourself? Is it weird that you're, you're like, wow, this is some deja vu crap going on. Yeah. And yeah. You know, I should say like, I, I, I often despair about how little good knowledge of history does in the world, but I, things <laughs> might, things might be changing. Right. I went to get a COVID test recently oh. and, um, the, the medical technician, um, uh, asked me what I do for a living. And I never tell people I'm a philosopher because, uh, because they think it's you have to wear the sandals and the yeah and the the it's just too much too much to process so i usually say i'm a historian i tell them a half truth and i say and so so this medical technician said what do you do for a living and i said i'm a i'm a historian and he said this is what really surprised me he said 
wow, that's an important job to have right now, right? And I thought, what is he talking about? Why, why right now? Because, you know, I don't live in the United States and there's a lot of things that, that, you, that I don't understand. But what he meant, what he meant was um, uh, it's important to process uh, historical information in order to take part in contemporary debates about, say, the uh, demands of Black Lives Matter for reparations and, um, and uh, what we should do with all the Confederate monuments in, throughout the United States, um, and so on. And uh, I thought this was really interesting because, um, because most of my life, if I have told people, again, telling them a, a half-truth, half-lie, that I'm a historian, the reaction has been, well, quit living in the past, dude. Um, get with the program and start earning some money. You know, And finally, uh, it's changing. And yeah. so maybe that's good. I don't know. Maybe. I think it is. I, you know, we, we opened up the show a couple months ago to just all authors and all books. It used to be just mm. CEOs and, and business people. And, and so... Uh, I open up to everybody and, and it's been really wonderful. But what's interesting is, is a lot of the books and a lot of the discussions we've been having in the history of what people wrote in these books like yours mm-hmm. is, is like you say, it's, it's, it, it's been like, you know, the Black Lives Matter and, uh, you know, dealing with uh, Donald Trump and everything that's going on right now. A lot of it's been very Black Lives Matter. And it, it almost became this, it became this serendipitous discussion about race through all the mm. books that were up yeah. and uh, history. And, and someone asked me, they go, are you just doing a whole bit for like, mm. are you just having all these guests on on Black Lives Matter? I'm like, no, man, we just picked random stuff out of a catalog and the, the serendipities has been coming through and the history of whatever what all these great authors like yourself have written about have just you know the, the just all this stuff applies to what's going on yeah. right now because um man yeah, yeah. From this Absolutely. history but yeah. uh you know i'm a philosopher too i have a tiktok account <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> At least Trump shuts it off, but you know, every, every flipping millennial and Gen Zer. Um, so, what led you to write this book about irra- irrationality? Oh, let's see. I uh, it's hard to give an account of how it came into being. I think there are some things I would do differently uh, uh, now. In fact, you know, I I had written uh, uh, in 2015. I actually published a book on the history of the concept of race, which was very focused. Um, and right now, I'm, I'm I'm writing a book called The Living Mirror: uh, Philosophy of the Internet, which mm-hmm. is also very focused. Um, and irrationality was my um, everything and the kitchen sink sort of um, sort of uh, attempt at a magnum opus. You know, just the thing that does does it all says everything I've ever thought. Um, and uh, 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 I would caution others against doing that. Um, but I really wanted to um, uh, uh, kind of give a comprehensive statement of um, uh, the way I understand um, uh, both the history of philosophy, but also this curious kind of um, uh, uh, 
teetering in my own sensibilities, in my own way of understanding the world between a, a kind of really no-nonsense uh, a uh, kind of Neil deGrasse Tyson style, mm. uh, uh, like let's cut the crap and do some measurements kind of um, uh, attitude about other people's claims. So that on the one hand, but also on the other hand, something that is very much the opposite of that in me, which is a love of um, uh, uh, elusive imagistic poetry, um, a kind of fascination with uh, uh, fringe beliefs, um, uh, an appreciation for weirdo occultists like the <laughs> Theosophists and Madame Blavatsky and stuff like that. Like, I mm. love all of that, right? I just mm. love it. And so, um, you know, for years, I've kind of thought, what the hell is wrong with me? Um, you know, I wrote my dissertation on Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz, who is one of the canonical rationalist philosophers, the inventor of the infinitesimal calculus, one of the inventors of um, what we now think of as computer science. So a real no-nonsense guy. And in a way, that's, you know, my intellectual model. At the same time, I'm very attracted to, um, to movements and tendencies that are much, much less kind of rigorous. And so in a way, the book is kind of an honest attempt to excavate um, both of these uh, 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 lineages that I see as um, constituting my own uh, 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 understanding of the world and my place in it. I like the title. One of my favorite lines, and I, I never have figured out who exactly said it, was a it was a comment called uh, you know the wilderness of mirrors or life is a wilderness of mirrors. Oh yeah. And and I love just thinking about what that means. Like, oh yeah. You know, you're walking through a wilderness of mirrors, and you know you're seeing yeah. yourself everywhere. And yeah. And uh, so I like the title of the book that you have there. So oh, how yeah. does this? How do we bring this forward to you? You brought this forward and talked about your book about Twitter and mm. arguments that you know I spent, I spent all my time arguing online. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's there's social there's you know we're arguing about our conscious bias or unconscious bias yeah. and topics and trying to resolve these issues like somehow your tweet is gonna like everyone's gonna have an aha moment and go oh crap we're all racist we should stop that that guy tweeted something <laughs> yeah. uh, and then no one does it. So, so what, what's the paradigm of, of how that applies? Well, look, I, I mean, I, I honestly think that, um, that the world would be better off if all of the internet, except maybe online banking um, and Wikipedia were suppressed, right? Um, I think Wikipedia is a wonderful uh, kind of uh, uh, exceptional success story. Mm -hmm. um, I agree with the person who said it works in uh, it works in practice, but not in theory. You know, an inversion <laughs> of the old idea about Marxism. Um, it is a beautiful realization of the dream of the great enlightenment encyclopedists and it should be retained social media by contrast is 
deeply, deeply harmful to civil society. Um, and it is what I have uh, taken to calling a perversion or a parody of the idea of uh, the public sphere, right? Mm -hmm. We uh, engage in it as if it were the site in which deliberative democracy and the free exchange of ideas occurs, even though um, it is structured in such a way as to ensure that that never actually happens, right? <laughs> through, uh, through, uh, th no, I'm serious. It's really. I, I, I agree with you. I agree you with know, you. I'm just laughing um, because you're so right. Uh, I, it's structured by algorithms over which we have no control as users and because these are private companies it's it's taken for granted that we have no right to even ask what these algorithms are but we all know as users that they exacerbate disagreement um and uh well disagreement one and two um radicalization, right? That is, we all know that if you say something subtle and carefully thought out and nuanced and hesitant, like any intelligent person should, <laughs> it's going to fall flat, right? Yeah, no one read um, that, yeah. And, um, and so uh, uh, the radicalization and the exacerbation of disagreement um, mean effectively that um, we have to we have to suppress this instinct that we have from being old enough to remember the pre-internet period and from whatever rudimentary civics education we had, we had inculcated into us the idea that, um, that participation in debate, uh, in deliberation about the issues that affect us in society is a good thing, right? Um, um, we take it for granted that that's a good thing because we grew up in the latter part of the 20th century. But I sincerely believe, and you know, I'm arguing this in my, in my next book, that it's your civic duty to not participate in the parody of deliberation that is social media, right? Um, that you, even if you're right, even if your claim is substantively true, you're making things worse by stating it, right? So, um, so that leaves us in a real bind. I, I and I, for the moment, I sound like simply a um, uh, 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 a nihilist, um, uh, huis clos sort of um, uh, 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 thinker. Um, I don't know what the way out of this is. I have some ideas. Um, um, uh, that I'm going to propose in the book, but how they're actually going to be um, uh, implemented is something that I think at this moment is objectively um, uh, unforeseeable. And I think you're right. I I'm, might be older than you or about the same age. I grew up without the internet. You know, when we were 10, 11, we were throwing dirt clods at the side of the house and, you know, <laughs> running around building ruling like tree houses and crap and, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. adventuring through the woods and stuff oh, behind yeah. our house. Um, and so I watched, you know, all this stuff come up. In mm -hmm. fact, you know, like I said, the beginnings of Twitter, we were on and there was this whole, there was this whole kumbaya of like the internet is the great democracy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Democrat, 
democratization of ideas and and freedom of information you know mm-hmm. it used mm-hmm. when i grew up you your parents had to spend you know five billion dollars getting in the encyclopedia yeah botanica thing some guy would come knock on your door and it's like how much is that so my stupid kids can learn and say like, yeah four thousand dollars a book or some crap and you know yeah. like you say yeah. now they can go on wikipedia um yeah. And so there was this whole kumbaya moment, and yeah. and even early on in Twitter's history and Facebook, yeah. you know, people like me vaulted it and said, said, you know, oh, this can bring the world together. We can become one, you know. And I saw a lot of that going on where people yeah. became, uh, people started realizing the humanity of everything, where it wasn't yeah. so much territorial anymore and tribal or less tribal. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah. but then it turned, you know, we saw the failure yeah. of governments and stuff and then governments went, hang on, wait, we can destroy each other with this. This is, yeah. we can use this as a yeah. weapon. And, yeah. and a lot of people I think started turning that, what you would put in your book, the dark side. And mm-hmm. now it's come full circle where, um, the extraneism of ideas, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but mm-hmm. like we're going just full batshit, like on stuff <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's and I, like, and maybe is that because is that the web? Do we? I mean, we kind of had fringe stuff before, but yeah. it couldn't it couldn't catch fire. Yeah, like you had to like buy like some really weird niche magazine, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I I try to keep things in perspective. Like I grew up in California in the nineteen seventies. A friend of mine, you might want to have on the show, Eric Davis, wrote a wonderful book called High Weirdness. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, about, um, uh, let's say, esoteric uh, occult movements, drugs, and popular culture in the 1970s, particularly in California. Um, and um, uh, it's a wonderful book. And uh, without um, being conscious of this, I was steeped in that stuff. Just looking like, you know, when I was a kid, I went into a bookstore, a typical bookstore in Sacramento, where I grew up. I went into the metaphysics section and it was all about astral projection and, um, and stuff that um, academic philosophers consider beyond the scope of the project of metaphysics properly conceived right and so we were just steeped in that stuff and it's important to remember that like you know that we've always been um uh we've always been a bit bonkers particularly in the united states (laughs) particularly in california um and um and the internet uh didn't uh uh didn't generate that stuff de novo. Um, But there are some telling figures, right? One figure that I like to point out is that um, 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 uh, uh, hits on, or the metrics for flat earth um, uh, uh, YouTube uh, uh, videos spiked after Trump's election, right? Um, And I take that as pretty revealing. It's not that Trump himself is a flat earther. Um, uh, I don't think Trump himself was a birther uh, either, referring to uh, Barack Obama's birth certificate and that whole scandal circa 2011. Um, But there was a sense that became very sharp 
towards the middle of the 2010s of the previous decade that we, you know, we had to get more kind of, we had to up the ante uh, and get more extreme in various ways. Um, and this was certainly felt in electoral politics, but it was also felt in what you might call uh, popular natural philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the stakes were too low, say, uh, for uh, uh, creationism uh, to um, to have the appeal that it once had. People needed to go for something more kind of hard-edged. Um, and I think that explains this kind of natural gravitation towards um, flat-eartherism, right? Or QAnon. Um, yeah, it, or QAnon. So, yeah, is it, so is this a thing where just people need a new drug? It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, an epistemological crack epidemic <laughs> of the of the mid 2010s. That's that's one way to see it. Right? <laughs> um, and where, <laughs> where, you know, there was um, there was the, all of this stuff was always around, but it just got it just got distilled into a more. Yeah, most times, I mean, with these QAnon people, like if we would have found you like twenty years ago, running around mm-hmm. spouting this QAnon stuff, we mm-hmm. we put you in a facility. And with, yeah, right, uh, nice right, right, right. So you yeah, but, so you know, there's a general sense that things needed we needed to up the ante, but also the kind of the the decentralization of authority, right? Uh, where you no longer have um, just a few media outlets telling you what the right version of, say, the Vietnam War. I'm thinking of Walter Cronkite. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, is uh, you now have just you know as many possible sources of authority as you might want to as you might want to find so it's like choose your own authority is the spirit crazy yeah and that's the spirit of the current moment and that's definitely something that is a direct consequence of um of the rise of new information technologies like the the like you know uh as an intellectual historian, it's it's important not to not to draw cause and effect relationships too too quickly. But here, I think it's it's really clear that the internet is making us crazy. The internet is making us crazy. That oh, yeah. should actually be the title of one of your books. Um, <laughs> the uh, you know I I see what you're saying now. It makes sense because. Um, and I'm not sure if you're just a fringe crazy person that I've uh, latched on to because I need a new drug. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, let's look at it from uh, 10,000 feet. But, yeah, right, no, right. Uh, no, I can see that. You know, I, even, like, I mentioned uh, Watergate, the Watergate mm. girl with Jill Weinbanks. You know, one thing she talked about was back then, you know, you had the three networks. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you had a basis of truth, a basis of untruth and now i mean just stuff is so blended i mean you talk yeah. to people and they have in and, and sometimes their craziness makes you know there's some times where i've had to sit down and go uh, do i do i do i really know what's true i mean right. maybe i'm not true you know yeah. i mean i i looked at uh justice kavanaugh when justice kavanaugh went through his thing mm-hmm. um and, you know, we with the liberals uh, like myself, you know, we put them through a big thing because obviously it was very, I mean, Trump had said it, 
uh, that he had put forth this guy because he was a guy who might help get him off in, in a constitutional crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the other stuff was a bit of a, uh, an add-on uh, as to why he was maybe unfit because of what he did in college. But mm. even then, it was just the offense of what he was trying to do. Yeah. And then he and then recently he he actually voted in favor of of, uh, you know, uh, you know, not giving the same thing that Nixon went through and not giving the thing. Yeah. And so it made me question. I'm like, geez, do we do we ruin that guy's whole life and career and <laughs> drag him through the yeah. mud just just because whatever. And then, of course, now an article has come out that he was working in the back of the scenes to try and get them to not rule on it and to avoid it. Uh, that an abortion issue. So now you're like, okay, well maybe he deserved it. But you know, sometimes I look at stuff like that. I try and, I try and question, you know, I try and get outside of my own box and go, "Mm, am I smoking my own crack these days? You know? (laughs) Yeah. But of course that's a really good example. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people take that introspection of what they believe. Mm, Like I, sometimes I question what I believe. I learned that from business. It's a business aspect that I learned where you, where you go back and you, I I call it the crazy eye and you go back and recheck your models. Sure. You go, why did I build it this way? Sure. sure, And then you improve it because you can question it and analyze it. Um, And I've tried to do that with, with logic and reason through my life as much as I can. But then I always, you know, five years later down the line, I'm like, I was an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, you know, that's uh, kind of like intro to philosophy day one. The, 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 um, uh, kind of message we try to get across is that um, is that there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge, right? Yeah. And, and that um, that the kind of cultivation of wisdom is all about um, constantly reminding yourself of your own epistemic limitations, right? That's um, that's what it is to be wise. Um, and that's not to say you should never commit yourself to anything. Um, and there's a deep problem that, you know, if, if, uh, if wise people are all like Socrates and they all insist that they know nothing, then the wiser people are going to be the least effective people and the stupider people are going to be the ones who are out there transforming the world. And that is indeed what happens. And that's, you know, an enduring problem. But, you know, one of the, one of the things I try to, argue in um in irrationality is that we really need to see claims of the sort the earth is flat um contextually you know you don't need to uh, assess their content you don't need to go out and um you know start uh looking at satellite images and stuff like that but you need to understand why they're being said in this particular moment and there was this one nba player a young guy who was really into flat earth theory for a while and i watched a few interviews with him and i was sincerely touched when i listened to him um you know because uh it became very clear very quickly listening to him that all he really meant was, hey, look, I'm out here trying to think for myself and um, and I don't like having other people telling me what to think and I'm just a young guy trying to figure the world out. And it was so touching and sincere. Um, uh, my, I came away from it thinking, yeah, why not let this guy flirt with flat eartherism for a while? Um, he's probably going to come out of it more intelligent than uh, the kind of bien pensant a uh, literalist who thinks that whatever the scientific establishment tells you is 
ipso facto true. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how you, you can't really put this back in the Pandora's box. That's <laughs> out. You can't just go, we're shutting down the internet, man. Yeah. Um, And and, uh, like my example earlier with Watergate, I mean, now there's just, there's so many of these different things. And one of the problems maybe with social media I've heard discussed is that it gave everyone a voice, which Mm -hmm. probably wasn't always a good idea. Maybe it was better that, you know, there was a few companies that had to pay a lot of money to the FCC Mm -hmm. and to get licenses so they could broadcast BS. And there was kind of a standard of of a modicum of, of what was truth was and what they mm-hmm. should report and, and maintaining certain standards. Yeah. But, you know, now uh, you don't, have, you don't need an FCC license. You don't, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm some idiot with a podcast. I don't have a radio license. You know, <laughs> I don't have to go, you know, I can swear on this, say that right. the George Carlin, uh, what is it? Nine words. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and and I can spout whatever sort of crazy stuff I want. In fact, I think yeah. that's what the podcast is for. But right. the problem is, is it creates a million different genres of, yeah. or I don't know if genres is that word, but a million different things of how crazy you can be. Yeah. And a lot of people, like, they tune into it. Like you mentioned earlier that, you know, certain these videos will take off. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of the algorithms, like you say, on social media, especially Facebook, aren't built for logic. Mm-hmm. They're built for emotion, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. they're built to play on our emotion, not our logic. I used to, I used to complain about how, you know, I'd make these logical videos on YouTube, and I'd mm-hmm. make logical posts. And the more logical the video was, the more yeah. logical the post, the more no one would see it. But if yeah. I get up and start sucking down Tide Pods and talking crazy stuff, well, there's 5 million views right there. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. and the same yeah, thing with it's, Facebook, it's, I it's get all the likes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all very complicated because I have to say, like, everything I've seen of Zoomers on TikTok doing crazy things, I think is just so delightful and life affirming. Like, I can't get enough of it. Um, and, um, 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 I don't want to come across in my articulation of concerns as uh, just an old grump or as yeah, someone who wants, wants to burn it all down. Um, uh, 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 and I do hope that there would be a way to, um, a way to reform, a way to have mm-hmm. uh, more accountability. Um, but I think that, um, given that it's too late to just, you know, shut it all down. Um, we do need to start rethinking again, the value of expertise and authority um, and, uh, and coming up with new ways to have like a moderate um, kind of sensible um, uh, 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 expert oversight of, um, you know, what gets put out there in public and what gets, um, let's say, blocked in some way. I don't think there's anything yeah. wrong with that. And there's a certain aspect of it. You know, I've watched Flat Earth videos for the entertainment. Like, I'm a mm-hmm. car crash person. I love sure, watching sure, car sure. crashes. Like, I, one of my favorite things to do used to be to watch Cops and Cheaters. Whenever I get depressed and I'd be like, <laughs> my life sucks, I go watch <laughs> Cheaters. I have a vodka and go watch Cheaters, or I go watch Cops. And then at the end, like two hours later, I feel yeah. really good about myself because yeah. I'm like, I'm not getting arrested and thrown in jail all the time. I'm doing pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. 
And 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 I think if we, you know, like you, I have a TikTok addiction, especially at night. I'll I'll lay down and be like, I'll watch a few TikToks and fall asleep, and three hours later, <laughs> you know, hundred TikToks. But as long as we recognize the that's entertainment, right? Yeah. Like like if I go see a movie, it's it's entertainment. I don't. Yeah, if yeah. I start thinking that The Godfather Two is what everyone's doing in life, and I got to start walking around being Michael Corleone, uh, <laughs> they're going to put me in the fun house. Right, um, right, but right, right. It's kind of become a fun house. But it is interesting to me. There is. I'm going to try and pull up a article here. One of the things that that's that's you know we talked about the cults and the and mm. the uh, and the, the patterns that they do. And there was an article that I saw today that I tweeted, and I've tweeted so much crap, it's probably lost. But it talks about why religious people are have been such fertile ground for people like Trump. Yeah. And usually for autocrats, it's yeah. because they've already been taught to start believing some fantasy stuff of, yeah. of stuff that, you know, I mean, I think we can all agree that the Bible is kind of like uh, loosely interpreted and yeah. maybe has some, some, uh, I think most historians at least can, can say, you yeah. know, um, did Jesus really walk on water? I don't know about that, man. Um, yeah. Maybe he has a good LSD. And so did the 12 apostles and they're having a good old time in California. Uh, but you know, I mean, you read the book and you just go, wow, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were in the middle East. That's okay. Um, um, but, 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 uh, there's an article I just read today that, that talks about how, if I can get you to start believing and suspending, you know, certain realities, you're fertile yeah. ground for everything else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like nice. I've had some friends that they listen to Alex Jones, mm-hmm. and uh, and there's been a few different people that I've read that, that as journalists they sat down and they started watching Fox News, mm-hmm. and they're like, at first your resistance to it, and like yeah, seems yeah, like yeah. entertainment. You're like, these people are stupid, ha ha. Yeah. And, but after a certain amount of it, with the repetition, yeah, and soaking in, your brain starts going. But what if it's true? And then eventually <laughs> yeah. you start down the path where you're like, oh, yeah, it must be true. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because I honestly think it's an important exercise to do that. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been in the U.S. for a while now. But when I was living outside of the U.S., every time I came back, uh, if I was in a hotel room, the first thing I did was tune in Fox, right? And, um, <laughs> and not MSNBC, Fox, right? Because I think it is objectively virtuous to try to get inside people's heads. But it's like that creates a tension, right? Because it's, it's virtuous to do something that, it, that does involve some risk to yourself right Mm -hmm. um because indeed you can get sucked in now i think at this point um i'm pretty safe right i can um uh, uh i can read books about astral projection about satanic cults i can watch alex jones i can do anything i want and i'm gonna come out basically who i already am right um and um I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know that, you know, the old approach, like the approach of say the, the, the Vatican in the, in the 17th century was to, you know, keep all the crazy stuff for themselves while Mm -hmm. making sure all of these books were kept out of the hands of the common people who couldn't handle it. And, you know, I have appointed myself one of those select few uh, who's in a position to, uh, uh, 
uh, kind of engage with whatever dangerous stuff is out there. I realize that's a problem, but I don't know how to resolve it. You know, the thing is, you and I are old enough where we lived before this age, so we mm-hmm. hopefully developed some, some, I don't know, what you would call it, some formation of reason to a certain degree. And so yeah. we can see the... We can see the emperor's clothes for what it is, but if you're raised in the sage as a young child, you know, yeah. I mean, I remember in 2010 seeing, you know, these one and two year olds playing iPads and they mm. grow up in this world yeah. and, and it would be really harder to f- for me to find a reason of anchor. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, one thing that just astounds me, like I rem- I can remember being a kid and finding, um, for some strange reason, a book in German in Sacramento. And it was a book like something like a statistical yearbook of the West German forestry department or something Mm. like that. Just totally, totally, totally banal in terms of its actual content. But I was so, so excited to find this book in German that I worshipped it like a kind of fetish object. And eventually I would go on to learn German and write a dissertation on a German philosopher and so on and so on. And so that, like the scarcity of information in the world of my childhood was in some respects a very good thing. And I don't understand how this immediate access to whatever information you want is, uh, is not propelling um, younger people, people who've grown up with the internet to read so much great stuff. They still stay within their own little kind of uh, world of comfort, but that that's just me sounding old and, Griping, and I don't, I don't uh, but now uh, no, I think you have a good point. I mean, mm. uh, especially as Americans, we're freaking lazy, so we're just mm. like, I'm gonna believe five things and then <laughs> burger because yeah, I don't, know, I don't want to break my brain, uh, you know. And and uh, you know, we have to seek out. Like I can I can watch flat Earth videos not for very long because then my brain will start to hurt, and I'll find that I want to, you know. I, I, I start thinking dark thoughts of, of mm-hmm. how do I choke this person to death? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, you can watch them for entertainment value and yeah. kind of get that car crash effect. But then after a while, you you know, for me, I can only do it for so long. It's kind of like yeah. country music. Like there's only so long I can listen. To I can remember one. Yeah, one recent trip to the United States, you know, it must have been like five years ago. So it was before before Garrison Keillor got canceled. Um, I was listening to one of his monologues and I never really liked him that much. I always thought he was boring, but he was talking about being a child on the prairie and listening to the radio and how important for his kind of uh, discovery of his own interests and his own sensibility, these wacko radio preachers were right like he loved the radio evangelists he loved to listen to them whooping and hollering and you know it kind of made him who he was and like you so rarely hear people acknowledging that today right and now keeler has been blacklisted we're not going to hear from him anymore and 
more and more rarely do we hear people saying like, there's this thing that I don't believe wholeheartedly, like I'm not a part of that world, but man, I'm glad it's around because, because it helped, it helped, it helped to shape me. Right. And like these days you either have to affirm something wholeheartedly as true as fully true in a dogmatic way or, or you have to reject it. And again, I think that's the um, that's the one of the um, one of the uh, uh, symptoms of our uh, corrosion of our social corrosion by the forces of social media. You know, and it just occurred to me from what you were saying <clears throat> is we've now reached a point where they're starting to take stuff back. Where they're yeah. starting to go. There's certain amount of crazies that we gotta we got to start creating some scarcity of because it's, mm. it's dangerous. Yeah. And so now we're seeing the reverse happen where social media companies are saying, okay, we can't trust these idiots with anything. You know, yeah. I've often said that that needs to happen because, you know, you and I grew up through the age where we didn't have to have signs on bridges that said, don't dump off, jump off the bridge. You might die. <laughs> right, and then we right, went right. through that ironic age where, suddenly we had to put signs on everything, you know, don't put the plastic bag over your baby's head or they might die. Don't, don't drink the bleach, you know, yeah, right, president. Right, right. don't drink the bleach. Cause it's probably, you know, and everything had to have a disclosure warning for shit, for stuff that was completely obvious to yeah. anyone with half a brain. Yeah. Um, the, uh, but now, now we're having to dial that back. Like one video I just watched today off of CNN this teacher, she wrote a, an, an op-ed where she said that she had voted for Trump and she mm. may have signed a death warrant because she's now having to go back to school. And she mm. may, and she's acknowledging that she may have yeah. been complicit in – and it, yeah. it, it's hard to draw a direct line to that, but also I think we all contribute yeah. um, to the death of, of uh, hundreds of thousands of other Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it was it – was, you know, obvious to me what Trump was. I've studied all my life, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, to her, she's like, I should have put more thought into it. I should have, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, calling her a bad person. I'm just saying this is what she said, and yeah. she said I should have put more thought into it. I should have cared more about what was important. And what's interesting, you know, early in the show, you you talked about how you know people, this can cause a loss of life, a destruction of selves. The problem is in in cases like what's going on with COVID nineteen. We're all in the same damn boat, right? Yeah. yeah. So if yeah. one, yeah. if you want to go crazy and upset the boat or start ramming holes in the bottom of the boat because, I don't know, you think that's the great thing to do, then yeah. we all got to either live and die with you. Yeah. I mean, it's so strange. You know, like my, my opinion of Trump has not budged a millimeter since 1987 right yeah. the first time i saw him on entertainment tonight or whatever as a teenager i was like i know who this guy is <laughs> and so i have a lot of difficulty um uh listening to people who wake up at this or that moment yeah. <laughs> right and say yeah, like man. oh wow yeah um uh so that's that's one point uh, another another point is um i mean you know i my my friend thomas chatterton williams um 
was spearheaded this letter on um, cancel culture and so on uh, recently in Harper's Magazine that caused a lot of discussion in all the op-ed pages around the country. And, you know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I do think that... Um, that the problem is more difficult than that letter uh, led on because um, there is a real problem of disinformation um, that is greatly exacerbated by new technologies that is something distinct from uh, the problem of uh, limitations on freedom of speech, right? Um, if you uh, uh, ban, not just say a, a social media company banning by its own policy uh, uh, accounts that pretend to be something they're not, um, but actually outright Pro legal prohibition of that kind of disinformation. I recognize that that bumps up against the First Amendment in uncomfortable ways, uh, but I don't see how uh, 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 we can possibly respond to the monumental task of combating disinformation of the sort that has has, has put forth QAnon and other movements without acknowledging that it's not going to be enough to just say, I'm a first amendment fundamentalist and everything goes right. Yeah. Um, um, so uh, uh, in that, re in, in that respect, I mean, I, 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 I like to say that, you know, the, the first amendment is a lot like the second amendment in that, you know, the second amendment was written um, with um muskets uh, and other 18th century firearms in mind. Similarly, the First Amendment was composed with, um, with, with, with broadsides uh, and other slow circulating information of the 18th century in mind. And I don't know how to make it um, work uh, for all of the challenges of the 21st century. See, probably when you, I, I know when I grew up, there were mental institutions all over and I oh, guess yeah. Reagan got rid of those or something. Yeah. Um, and, and so if you started spouting crazy stuff, they took you down the mental tissue. Your family was like, Hey Bob, you gotta go, go to the funny farm. They're going to give you some medicine, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest type thing. Yeah. And uh, they're going to make things better. And if not, we'll just cut a slice up here and we'll fix that for you. Um, and um, now, like you say, with the First Amendment and what people think are their First Amendment rights, mm. it's come to a, a point where it, it's like there, there seems to be no end to the bat shooting as you can go on. And oh, sadly, yeah. with the, you know, the videos we're seeing of people wearing masks, uh, the entitlement and selfishness of being like, I can think whatever I want and it doesn't matter who I endanger. Like I said, you know, if you yeah. endanger people and started acting weird and talking weird stuff, they just uh, they just put you in the funny farm home and gave you some drugs. Yeah. That or they just let you start your own religion or cult, right, um, right, right. which you know either one. Um, I yeah. always I always make the joke that that uh, what's interesting about religion is is if I start telling you that I'm seeing people and I'm talking to people and they're talking to me, you'll put me in a funny <laughs> home for uh, what's that called? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but oh, if yeah. I tell you that it, it's God talking to me. 
that oh that's fine okay go yeah go with that my brother but yeah, uh yeah, yeah. so i don't know but yeah there there comes a point where you're dangerous you know yeah we yeah, saw yeah. that with the pizzagate thing with the QAnon, oh yeah, yeah where yeah. you know people decide one day to take up guns and and fortunately no one was killed in that event but he went in there with the intent of killing somebody or yeah. shooting up and you know pedophilia and and all this sort of stuff. I've seen this on Twitter too. People like really believe this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, you see the things they've said about Bill Gates and yeah. you know, all this thing. And um I you know, maybe it comes down to we're stupid too. Like one of my favorite quotes of George Carlin to try and explain all this or reason with it is his quote that says, Think of how stupid the average person is and realize that <laughs> half of them are stupider than that. Right. Which puts a good paradigm on it when you really think about yeah, it. I mean, that right, is right, right. the law of average, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, you know, a hundred years from now, QAnon could be <laughs> uh, seen as like this old, boring, staid uh, tradition or institution, and the kids will be rebelling against that by saying more extreme things. You know, so um, so, uh, so we we're just gonna go like so. Basically, what you're saying is there's gonna be. Stuff that's even worse than that. People, people like ah, oh, QAnon stuff. Like, no, it's more like it's more like that. If it becomes mainstream, it will just it will just get normal, right? Mm-hmm. You see this. Like, I mean, a great example of this is the Quakers, right? The history of the Quakers in the 17th century. They were flailing around on the ground, right, in like this ecstatic uh, religious fits, right? Um, that's why they called them Quakers. Now, in yeah. American, in the American uh, religious landscape, no one is more kind of sober um, and staid than a Quaker. You bump into a Quaker, you know you you know this is someone you can talk to, right? So or get oats um, from. <laughs> So this is this is something that happens over and over again in social movements. They start out in a in an ecstatic frenzy, and if they catch on, then they cool down. Right? Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, and and we mentioned this earlier, and I and I meant to bring it up when you were talking, but you know, you we talked about how everybody. Uh, you know, it, it the the democratization of ideas and people with mouthpieces went from a very uh, a scarcity uh, mm-hmm, concept mm-hmm. to everyone has one, um, and and the the the, the uh, and now I lost the train of thought that I was trying to get back to, um, but but basically it, it gave right. everyone a voice, and maybe everyone doesn't need a voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. I don't want to say there are people who should be deprived of their voices, but we're, we're mistaken to encourage everyone to think that they have something to say simply in virtue of the fact that they exist. (laughs) I think there's a book author, an author of a book called death of expertise. that I'm trying to get on. Yeah. 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 I know. I know the book you're, it's Tom, um, Tom Nichols, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tom Nichols. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to get him on or at least get a hold of that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was part of it where we, you know, there was this rise. And I don't know if it's, you know, over 40 years I've watched the collapse of the middle class. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, starting the Reagan era, uh, the trickle-down economics and all that yeah. crap. And the, and the middle class has collapsed. 
Mm-hmm. And I think with that collapse and the desperation and the, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find reason or economic stuff, the the death of manhood, or at least let, let's put it this way, the manhood, the way we thought it was, the mm-hmm. death of, of, you know, we've all had to rethink manhood now. And a lot of people are lost. Like you look at the incel kids. Sure. Uh, these are young boys who in today's world, they, they can't figure out where it is between me too and everything else. Yeah, and there's yeah, nothing yeah. wrong with that. But they're they're trying to you know trying to balance who they are with their caveman brains and <laughs> the societal standards that, yeah. that, that are changing, and you know men went through that where men sure. were like I'm the household earner and she stays sure. home and you know I watched that whole era go through I watched the era of 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 people who were like you go to a job you work at that one job but that one company forty years they gave it gold watch and you're out of there uh, sure. you know and more and more when you look at everything that's gone on everything in the aspects of all our lives maybe i'm answering my own thing here is become more disposable our marriages are more disposable our relationships are more disposable our jobs are more disposable our income is more disposable yeah (laughs) um maybe maybe it's the failure of all of that or the loss of of the security of that yeah starting to drive us insane yeah Yeah, it's yeah. it's like it's the old thing where the military blasts Metallica, at the Waco, Texas thing, or something. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, and it yeah, drives yeah. the bees mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I mean, new like new types of person are being generated, like the incel, right? Yeah. Though I mean, there are there are precedents for that, like in nineteenth century literature. You know, the the figure of the superfluous man. Um, mm-hmm. That's the incel, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, we've we've had that before, uh, but it's it's making a comeback in the twenty first century, indeed, wow. for the reasons you mentioned that have to do with um, mostly with economics and the precaritization of basically everything. Right? It's so weird because yeah. this conversation we're having and what you wrote in your book, you know, from the mm-hmm. Greeks uh, era, mm-hmm. he's just everything is just recycled man. or just oh, yeah. like the flat earth stuff. You're like, I thought we had that resolved yeah. in, I don't know, the third century or whatever <laughs> right. it was. You know? right. And right, you know, right, uh, right. we, we see the rise and fall of empires. There's questions mm-hmm. about whether or not our little democracy is going to rise and fall because we got sure. a little too, uh, heady about ourselves, just like the Roman sure. empire did, just like the, yeah. um, British empire did, you know, and everybody who thinks yeah. they're infallible or or immortal finds out they're not sure. the hard way. And it yeah, usually yeah, yeah, yeah. comes to that justification. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the same problems just keep coming back. I'm a I'm a perennialist about that. I mean, look, you know, given that we have exactly the same brains, exactly the same biological makeup that the ancient Greeks had, there's no basic reason why we should be confronting different problems than they did. You know, did you ever see the movie Idiocracy? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was Mike Judge, wasn't it? The yeah. Beavis and yeah. Butthead guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. That was um, that was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. tell a joke the now rest- that it's it's with the Trumpers, it's gone from a, a fiction to a documentary or a future documentary. <laughs> the way we're going with Trumpers, absolutely, yeah. Just people becoming yeah, dumber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think yeah. I think the internet has made it easier to be dumber, right? Because you don't really have to oh, learn yeah. everything. You can Google it. Like you don't have to learn history. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you got a question, yeah. you can just Google it. Well, it depends, I know, because I mean, I, this is—I'm not boasting. I'm just—I'm just describing something that I've observed. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's making me smarter, right? Like, because you know, there are so many things. Like, uh, you know, 20 years ago, I'd be driving along, and I might think, like, what is a quasar anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, then I just think, oh, never mind. It's too hard to figure it out, right? Like I could, but but today, like when when I have the thought, what is a quasar anyway? Five seconds later, I'm on Wikipedia finding out some pretty basic and clear information about quasars, right? Mm. And so having done, having been in that mode for about a decade now, I feel like, I feel like it has um, changed the way I think, the way I, l- I learn, the way I process information. And for the most part, this has been for the better, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, there, there, there are pros and cons to this, but for the most part, it's, it's, it's a good thing. But that's not the general rule, and I don't quite understand what the difference is. 50% of the people are <laughs> yeah, right. more than right, average. Right. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. And me and and you, the epiphany I just had is it's the utilization of how it is. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. you and I approach it from an analyzation basis of learning, right. and we also judge it. But right. we don't just go, oh, well, Bob, dear leader on high, or Reverend Joe said so, right. so therefore right, it must right, be right. true. Right, um, right, right, right. Maybe and maybe that's that's what it is: is the application of the utilization. Yeah. 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 And in part, yeah, it's because, because just in a fifth book title. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. No, I've got, I've got enough work cut out for me. Yeah, you do. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, this is a, this is an interesting book. Anything more we need to know about your book and everything else? Cause it sounds like you and I could spend hours doing this. Um, You know, one, one thing, one thing worth uh, mentioning is that um, a paperback edition has, I think, just been released, and um, they let me write a new preface um, uh, for the paperback, uh, and I, I, I finished the preface dated April fifteenth, two thousand twenty, mm-hmm. um, in uh, at which time i was in brooklyn under quarantine um and it was at the moment of the peak of uh the the pandemic in new york um and uh i think i was so grateful to have the opportunity to write this preface because it allowed me to bring the book into the corona era um which is an era for which the book was I don't want to say prophetic, but uh, like, you know, it was bumping up against this era and I think anticipating in curious ways things that would become crystal clear only after the original hardback edition was published. So I'm not insisting that people buy the paperback rather than the hardback, but uh, uh, I do want to emphasize that that the preface deals with uh, our present moment, or in any case, uh, uh, the, 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 our present moment extending back to, to mid-April of this year. No kidding. I mean, I, I can imagine what you would have written over this, this thing that we do with the mask thing, where yeah. people are like, I'm not wearing a mask. 
Yeah. You're like, yeah. Well, what, what really struck me were news reports from around the world. We were hearing the same reports from Israel, from Russia, from, um, and from, from, from evangelical preachers in the American South. Um, mm. That is, I, they vacillate between two possible approaches. Like, um, you know, we have the grace of God. We're, we're going to be fine uh, crowded into this church with no masks. But then, what, but then that, and then another extreme, which is what this preacher in Louisiana, whose name I'm forgetting now, one of these mega churches, I yeah. loved the way he, he said it. Um, uh, for us believers, for us Christians, um, death uh, has a different meaning than for y'all, right? And, um, um, I thought that was so important. Like he was saying, like, look, yes, we we acknowledge the virus exists, um, but we're we're romantic about this. It's like kamikaze pilots reciting romantic poetry as they're as they're crashing their planes into Allied ships. Um, there are numerous examples of this in history of people who believe in something so fully that the rational calculus of um, you know, will this course of action hasten my death or not become something completely different? Um, mm-hmm. So I got to discuss all of that in the preface in, in ways that I, that I, 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 yeah. I was grateful for. And, you know, we see, you see a lot of that. The challenge with that is there are people that decide it's okay to take everyone with you. Like yeah, Jonestown. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like Jonestown was like, okay, we're all going to die and do the thing because, you know, God is what good and all that BS. But then they go, they go, but you have to come with us. Yeah, right, 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 right. And then that's when it gets scary. You know, I, yeah. I recently saw some guy who killed, you know, and this probably is, which who knows the story because it goes on every week. Guy wipes out his whole family. Yeah. And, or or a mother who kills her own children, which is really extraordinary yeah. when you think about it. That what, what the what the mind has to go to to cross that yeah. that uh, thing, especially with a mother. I mean, a mother yeah. has a different relationship, I think, with her children than Amanda's. Um, and uh, and you know, I've seen this this form of suicidal nature in religious people. Yeah. Um, I have I have relatives who will make the statement, "Well, I just wish God would take me." And you're oh, like, yeah. "Well, I I really." like having you around and yeah, really hate right, that right, you right. have this suicidal tendency yeah. about you that that you you almost want to prophesize or or encourage your own death yeah and you think and the madness of it with me being an atheist is uh you know what if you're wrong it's the old groucho yeah. mark show where you had to guess <laughs> the word in groucho mark's head and yeah. if you didn't get the right word you were wrong you can yeah. live your whole life uh, betting that Catholicism is the is the what God wants you to be, and you'll get into heaven if you're Catholic. But right. but then you know, and and I think South Park did a beautiful thing on this. But I was thinking it long before South Park. But you know, it's there's the magic word. There's three thousand gods that humans have created mm-hmm. over all their lives from going back to cavemen, and somehow you have to guess the right answer that no one yeah. knows. Groucho Marx has in his head as God. And if you're wrong, well, you're going to go to hell and you're going to burn, yeah. you're going to die and you're going to suffer. But remember, God loves you, as George yeah. Carlin would say. Um, <laughs> lots of George Carlin today. Yeah, George right. Um, and, but, but it's that whole, that whole suicidal element of it yeah. that makes me mental. And yeah. then the dismissal of it. Yeah. Um, 
and then and then wanting to take people with you because we're seeing yeah. people that are not wearing masks and they're but and and the thing about COVID nineteen is yeah I mean if you decide you want to go hey f- screw it I'm not going to wear a mask and if I get yeah. it I die fuck it the problem is you should take a bunch of us with you yeah through either infection or right whatever the case is it's not yeah. it's not an island unto yourself and so we're stuck in that brobo with you yeah I think there's a parable or a paradigm or a story of of deciding whether to throw people out of the lifeboat or not. <laughs> right, 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 I mean, right. I can't yeah. replace it so someone can look at it. Uh, yeah. So uh, thanks for coming on the show, oh, uh, man, Justin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what a lot hopefully of fun, we had yeah. a really good discussion about oh, your book yeah, and some yeah. of the different principles. And, and yeah. uh, I don't think we solved anything because no. maybe it's unsolvable. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But, no, the book, the book itself uh, just ends with a bunch of question marks, um, mm-hmm. as as any true philosophy book does. <laughs> um, but it's probably better in that way because, like we've talked about here, yeah. you know, it, it, as long as we ascertain and question and theorize and think about stuff instead of yeah. just accepting truth in a blind sense, yeah, then. Yeah. Hopefully that's better because I mean, if I was in QAnon, like I'd be sitting there the whole time going. What the hell now? What the hell now? I mean, that's what happened to me right, when I grew right. up in a cult. I yeah. I was constantly like, you guys do what? And there's what? And there's some space aliens and planets and shit? Okay, you guys. Oh, are, like, I, at three years old, I knew it was crack. I knew it was all right, crack. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I, somehow I, I, I learned enough about human nature at three to four years old where I was right. like, somebody's making money off this, huh? <laughs> yeah, I can see what's going on right now. Right, 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 right. Anyway. Yeah, um, it's eternal, isn't it? Yeah. Guys, check out his book. It's uh, with Princeton University Press, Justin Smith, A History of the Dark Side of Reason, Irrash- Irrationality. And uh, I think this is really interesting. I'm going to look forward to getting a copy from Princeton yeah. uh, so I can read it. Uh, and, of course, you guys can probably get it on Amazon or individual booksellers or yourself uh, uh, the book. And I think it's an important thing for our age because we've got to try and get back to truth. We've got to try and get back to figuring out. And I think it's interesting that now – now Facebook and social media things are trying to create some scarcity and are yeah. realizing that you can't trust people. You know, you've got to put up signs that say, don't jump off the bridge. And yeah, sadly yeah. people still jump off the bridge. Cause they're like, I didn't know it was a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now we're all a- dead. Uh, so thanks to my audience for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you guys being on the show. Go to thecvpn.com. Refer it to your family, neighbors, relatives, uh, all dogs, cats, all that stuff. Get in them and listen to the show because then they'll be smarter because they can listen to philosophers like Justin Smith here and his brilliant works. Uh, also, uh, take in, if you get a chance, put a nice five-star referral on the show. We certainly appreciate that when you do that on iTunes. And uh, you can see the video version of this on youtube.com for slash Chris Voss. Hit that bell notification button. Thanks for for tuning in. Stay safe and we'll see you next time. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>